Matthew chapter 13 and 44. Jesus gives, in my opinion, the most powerful message on the kingdom of God uh, of all of the descriptions and all of the times he spoke about the kingdom in this one little passage. And it's probably the shortest description. I want to give it to you this morning as the beginning of a new series. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered it up, and then for joy he goes and sells all that he has and comes and buys that field. And that's it. That's Jesus' explanation of the kingdom of God. And in this thing, there are three elements. There are three components to this message. The first is the treasure. The treasure that the man found is Jesus, Jesus the Savior. Jesus in all of the benefits that he brings to our life. Jesus the mighty God. The treasure is Jesus. Jesus who saves us, heals, and delivers our God. Somebody say praise the Lord. But then the Bible talks about a field and that the treasure was in a field. And that when the man finds the treasure, he is elated with joy, but he reburies it and goes off and he sells everything. Liquidates his entire estate, comes back, and he buys this thing called the field. Now Jesus has said, I'm teaching you about the kingdom of God. Everyone say it with me. Kingdom of God. The field is the kingdom of God. And so this parable is about Jesus, his kingdom, and how you and I interact with him and with the kingdom of God. And that's what this is all about. And the heart of Jesus' message, I'm going to give it to you up front, is simply this. The treasure and the field are inseparable. Let me say it again. The treasure and the field are inseparable. You cannot separate Jesus the treasure from the kingdom of God. It is impossible to have Jesus without selling off the world to possess the kingdom of God. Could I say it like that? Would you understand what I meant? You cannot have Jesus the treasure if you're not willing to sell off the world in order to have the kingdom of God. In other words, you cannot possess the treasure of the Savior without relocating to the kingdom of God. Because if you sell your estate, you sell your asset, where are you going to live? He, the Bible says he ran off with joy, sold everything, came and bought the field. So guess what the field is? It's his new home. The kingdom of God is the place that the man who found Jesus relocates his life. Praise the Lord. This is such a simple message, but it is a gut punch. Especially when you think of the world today and the philosophy, not just of the world, but the philosophy of religion that we see in the churches. And the way people think about Jesus and think about the gospel of Christ. If we don't get the message of the kingdom of God straight, then nothing Jesus said makes sense. None of it works outside of the field.
So this is the permanent, unchangeable, non-negotiable fact of the kingdom that you either sell out or you reject it. There is no middle ground in the message of the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. There's no middle ground. You either sell out to the kingdom or you reject the kingdom. You either sell all and buy the kingdom or you don't have the kingdom and you forfeit the treasure. There is no visitation. The, the, the uh, kingdom of God, the field, was not a timeshare. It wasn't a place that you, you split time with other people. It wasn't a place you visit. You don't vacation there. You either sell everything, relocate, or you have nothing to do with it. It is an absolute non-negotiable point that the kingdom of God comes along with Jesus. So look, people, as we open up Jesus' message about the kingdom, the reality of what's really at stake in this message quickly emerges. And that is the fact that relocating your life out from under the world and into the kingdom of God is a decision between eternal salvation and outer darkness forever. Now, I know that we always and have historically, and there's not anything uh, necessarily wrong with it, um, but we have always said if you, if you want to not spend eternity in outer darkness. If you want eternal salvation, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to live eternally with God, if you want to live in life forever, hallelujah, then you must receive Jesus. But Jesus' message was not that simple. It had a little more nuance to it. It wasn't just receive Jesus. You couldn't just receive Jesus. You had to buy the kingdom. And... That's hard to fold into an altar call. It's hard for preachers. It's hard for evangelists to, to uh, take that message of Jesus. The message of Jesus, when you pull it out of the field, you take the treasure, you sell the treasure to the world, it, it's accommodating and, it, and it's, a, it's attractive. It, it's, it is, the, well, here's the answer to everything. Jesus came, the gift of the world. God so loved the world, he gave the gift of life. So here's life. Here's Jesus. You can just take him and tuck him away in your life. And magically, boom, like yeast, you'll bloom. Everything will be wonderful. He's a world fixer. But that is not true. That was not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was not that he's a world fixer. The message of Jesus is that the world lies in the lap of a fallen, broken kingdom in rebellion against God that one day will be folded up and turned over to him as the king of kings and lord of lords. And the message of Jesus Christ is if you want to be saved, you need to relocate to another kingdom. You need to change your citizenship. You need to move from beneath to above. Somebody say praise the Lord. So getting Jesus' message about the kingdom can be wrong because it can cost you eternity. Because bypassing the field to obtain the treasure, it's not that it's not fair. It's that it's impossible. It is not possible. Um, if you don't relocate to the field, you forfeit the treasure. And you don't have problems with disciples who when they were introduced to Jesus Christ, they were introduced to Jesus the King and Lord over all. 
And when they received him as Savior, they turned their lives over to him. And in their mind, he was Lord of all. He is the King of Kings. When people get saved, and that is the mentality, those are people who have bought the field. In their mind, they've crossed the line. I may still drive a car. I may still own three or four houses. We don't have a whole lot of people like that in our church. But at any rate, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you, 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 you may still manage the stuff you have, but something has changed in your life. It's, it's, there's a whole different now connection to the things you have in life. Even your dreams, your aspirations, your careers and the things you want to do. You hold them all in a different light. There's now a new king and a different kingdom. And you've relocated to it. And so these things are just things that kind of follow along with you in life that you manage. But they don't own you. Because you are owned by the king in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Notice the phrase. The treasure which a man found and covered up. Why did he cover it up? Why didn't he just dig it up? And then for his joy, goes sells all that he has, buys the field. The reason he covers it up, the reason he doesn't just take it, is because it cannot be removed from the field. That's the obvious underlying principle in Jesus' message. You cannot take this treasure out of the field. And I want to tell you, uh, let's take, another, take this one step further to connect these dots. The reason is, is because the field and the treasure are the same. And say it again. The field, the kingdom of God, and Jesus are the same. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. When he announced in Jerusalem and in Galilee, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What was he talking about? I am the kingdom of God. I am in the midst of you. He wasn't saying that an event was now upon them. He was saying the king is now upon you. Hallelujah. You can't take Jesus from his kingdom because that's what he is. He is the eternal king of of glory. And I, for one, quite frankly, am really glad for that fact because it, I get a wonderful, uh, warm, secure feeling about eternity when I know that the man, uh, I use that term figuratively, with his hand on the throttle of eternity is the king. The king, not just some other being that could be overthrown by another being that might happen to come along. You know how your mind has those crazy thoughts? Well, what if there's a whole other reality somewhere? No, he's the alpha and the omega. He is the king of glory. There's no one above him. Amen. He is the possessor of heaven and earth and all things. Reality is in the palm of his hand. Yes. Come on, church. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus always throughout all of his teaching pointed to the perfect continuity between himself and the Father and his word. He always interchanged those three. And whenever he taught, he presented himself and the Father and his word as having perfect continuity and sameness. You could not drive a wedge between them. You couldn't get Jesus to disobey the Father. You couldn't get him to speak a word that wasn't the eternal word of God. There was no way you could bring any separation. And finally, when he was about to lay his life down on Calvary's cross in John chapter 17, he got on his face and he prayed, Father, that they may be one as we are one. Bring them into that continuity. He's talking about the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom is unshakable. 
The kingdom is where how God thinks and what God says, who he is and what he is, is unshakable and has perfect, harmonious continuity. Continuity. And the reason this is important is that the field and Jesus cannot be separated. Are you listening? Now, now let's bring this into a practical application because all our lives we've heard this phrase. But there is no such thing. Let me stress again what I'm about to tell you. There is no such thing of taking the words of Jesus and applying them to your life. That is an absolute absurd notion. You cannot take the words of Jesus and apply them to your life. They are not up for taking any more than you could take the treasure out of the field. The words of Jesus stop being the words of Jesus when they're just something you quote. Come on, are you listening to me? The words of Jesus stop being the words of God. They stop being the words of the kingdom. You know, you could train a parrot to quote John. It doesn't make it the words of the kingdom. The Father and the Son and the Word are never separated. Listen to me now. So, you and I have been translated into the kingdom of God. If we remain in the kingdom, if we think in the kingdom, if we're brave concerning the kingdom, if we represent the kingdom, then the word of God will speak to us, and then it will be the word of God because we're in him. And what happens when you really speak the word of God? You're not just quoting Bible verses. When you speak the word, the Bible says, he, they went everywhere preaching, and he backed up the word, with signs following. Jesus said, they're speaking, but I'm coming out of their mouth. That's the kingdom of God. They're speaking, but I am coming out of their mouth. We have told Christians, you can take the word of God and you can train your family. And you can, you can uh, apply them to your life. That is not wrong, but it's incomplete. And, and it... it supports an idea that undermines the whole power structure of what salvation is supposed to be. There was never ever supposed to be the idea that you could possibly experience salvation outside the kingdom of God. The Bible makes absolutely clear this kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. You know, all of the struggle that we have today is happening between the reality of light, the reality of darkness, in that mushy area that we call the gray area where Satan does his best work by confusing and getting people to move off of what they know is absolutely right. But, hey, come on, clear-minded people, it's time to stand up and shake off the nonsense. And I say, let's shake the religious nonsense off first. We're not here to correct the world. We didn't come with an answer for the world. We came with a kingdom and an and opportunity to join that kingdom, an invitation to come and join. I can't heal you. I can't straighten out their problems. I cannot fix the world. And you and I need to stop presenting ourselves as the fix for the world because Jesus didn't present himself as the fix for the world. Come on, church. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Jesus, in, Jesus said, I'm the door to the kingdom of God, and I am the kingdom of God. I invite you, escape the world, and come and be a, be 
a child of God in the kingdom of God. And so for the next weeks or so, I am going to take a piece, a chunk of reality about what it really means to live and walk in the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God really is, and share those things each week, just a piece, something you could package, take home, unwrap, and you can do it. Praise the Lord. So the kingdom of God is a singular reality. You cannot parse it. You don't take the words of Jesus and apply them. This is why the devil attacks the concept of the kingdom. The first thing you lose when you attack the concept of the kingdom is authority. Let me say it again. The first thing you lose, the first casualty when you attack and dismantle the, the concept of the kingdom is you lose authority. And you see all these people running around in churches even saying all kinds, all manner of nonsensical statements they make about Jesus. Well, if Jesus was here, Jesus would do this, and Jesus would do that, and Jesus this and Jesus that. And all they are doing is they are, they're not anywhere near the field. They're out in the field of darkness, and they're just like the seven sons of Sceva trying to cast out devils in the name of Jesus who they heard about, and the devils are beating the tar out of them. That's what happens when you separate Jesus from the, He won't come. <laughs> he won't go with you. He won't, no, He says, you stay in my kingdom. And so when you get up Monday morning to go to work, you get up in my kingdom. You go to work in my kingdom. You deal with your family in my kingdom. Don't leave my kingdom. When you get up and you're in your bedroom, be in my kingdom. And when you leave your bedroom, bring my kingdom with you. Hallelujah. In John chapter 14, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our abode with him. Again, you see the continuity of the kingdom? He says, You keep my words, and I and my Father will be one with you, and you'll be in our love. You, you will, in essence, you'll be in the kingdom of God. Again, in Mark Chapter 8, verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and of his holy angels. Now listen. I will treat you like you treated me in the world when I come. If, if you let people in the world back you down as a Christian and talk you into nonsense that is absolutely contrary to the word of God. If you as a Christian and as a church, and whole denominations are falling and have fallen. It's not when the falling away takes place. We are in the middle of the falling away. We are in the middle of the apostasy. It is happening. Churches are disintegrating, and organizations, denominations with hundreds of thousands of people around the world that were once born in the fire of God and were established in the kingdom are now bits of trash floating down the sewers of the world because they have become ashamed of the word of God. When the culture rises up and demands of them that they accept their sexual uh, revolutionary ideas. 
when they demand to have their children, when they say, we want the words of your mouth, and they want to control the way you speak, control the way you think. You know, there's a thing called the fight of faith. It's not always just running around and believing. Sometimes you have to fight the fight of faith. And there's one thing the kingdom will do for you is it'll make you brave. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, if we have to go in the fire and die, our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're not staying out here with you and your idol. Amen. Come on, are you listening to me? Christian, stop backing down. If, you don't, if you're not articulate and you don't have a brilliant answer, at least don't sit there and nod and agree with the nonsense. Stand up for the truth. Stand up for Jesus Christ. And the word of God. He said, if you are ashamed of me. There are Christians today marching in the streets. They are ashamed of what Jesus said in his word. Apologizing for the gospel. Jesus said, I'll be ashamed of you when I come back. Trust me, it's not going to be worth it. All the people out there, all the hipsters, they may all like you. They may think you're just the hottest thing since sliced bread. But trust me. What's really going to matter to you, if you think that matters to you, what's really going to matter to you is what I think when I come. He is the king. So in other words, once you've located the treasure, which is Jesus, the Savior, the king, rejecting his lordship over your worldview and over your lifestyle is, re is forfeiting the treasure. You are risking the treasure when you reject the kingdom. Can I tell you, Jesus don't date. Jesus don't go on dates. You move in with him or forget it. Jesus don't date. Do you understand? A lot of Christians on a date with Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? A lot of Christians date Jesus. He don't date. I don't know who they're dating, but they're not dating Jesus. There's whole churches that are dating Jesus, but they're not dating Jesus. Jesus don't date. The price of the kingdom. Let's talk about that for a moment. We're going to devote a whole Sunday to the cost of the field, the price of the field. But I want to at least mention this. The price of the kingdom, the price of the field is exclusivity. The reason you sell all that you have to buy the field is not because you have to come up with the value of the treasure. You're not paying for the treasure. You're making room for the kingdom. Let me say it again. You're not paying for the treasure. You're making room for the kingdom. One more time. You sell everything because it's a fire sale. Hallelujah. You've set yourself on, the, on God's holy fire and you've walked out of the world. It's a fire sale. You're clearing everything out to make room for the kingdom of God. That is being a Christian. And I'll tell you, you, if you think, well, I don't know if I can talk people into that. You can't. That's crazy talk. The only people that accept challenges like that are Marines. Isn't that right, Scott? Maybe you can be one of us. I don't know. That's up to you. Do you understand? Pretty quick. Pretty quick with that, hoorah. <laughs> you sell all 
to make room for the kingdom of God. So once again, let's summarize this, and then I want to kind of begin to wrap this. Jesus the Savior, now catch the way I'm, I'm going to present this. Jesus the Savior is a mission of Jesus the King. Jesus the Savior is a mission of Jesus the King. The one embodies the other. Jesus the King is not a feature of Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Savior is a feature of Jesus the King. He was eternal King from time and memoriam and for all eternity. When all is done, we'll not be worshiping Him as Savior, we'll be worshiping Him as King of glory. Jesus the Savior is a feature, a mission of Jesus the King. The King of glory lowered Himself and came into this world to pay the price for our salvation. That was Jesus on a mission of salvation. But because he is the king of glory, rejecting his authority over your life as king disrupts his work as savior. If he's not king, you're going to have trouble getting the good stuff that comes with the savior he is Savior so that you can meet Him as King. Say it again. You and I can't buy the field. We can't afford the field. We couldn't even afford a peek through the window. Jesus said, those that come up and try to look into the window are, as, are thieves and robbers. He said, they can't get in. You, can't, you and I could not buy a peek into the window of the kingdom of God. So when we sell all, we're selling all because we believe that that treasure we saw is going to help us and it's going to make us powerful and sons and daughters of God and give us the gift of the inheritance of sonship. We will walk into his kingdom. We'll walk into his kingdom because the king loves us, because the king is good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the mission of the Savior, and by the way, let me say that if you wonder what kind of a king he is, all you have to do is look at the Savior. The king became the Savior. Hallelujah. On the other hand, while we don't buy the, the, the kingdom, I, wanna, I want you to understand, in selling all, that phrase, selling all, could be scary because you could think, well, I thought salvation was free. Um, but we're not talking about selling all to get salvation. We're talking about selling all to make room for the kingdom. So you must buy the field to possess the treasure, right? You with me? When Jesus said that, he wasn't talking about an accomplishment. He was talking about a decision. The, the selling all to buy the field is not something you have to accomplish. It's simply a decision that you make. You possess the treasure the very moment you make the decision. The very moment you decide, I believe this king is the true king. I believe his word. I, you, don't have to, you don't have to wait until you prove it. You don't have to wait until you do it all. You just have to remove through the blood of Jesus every 
thing of the world out of your life and say, I present myself as a clean, redeemed slate to the Lord Jesus Christ who's purchased me with his blood. That's a decision. That very moment, the kingdom is yours. Every bit of it, stem to stern, top to bottom, it's all yours. And then you spend the rest of your life reinforcing that decision every day. Every day of the life of a Christian is spent reinforcing the decision to buy the field. And the devil's always trying to talk you off of the property, isn't he? He's always trying to get you. And yes, we do wander. We get near the edge. But uh, we'll talk about that in, in some weeks to come. But just so that you understand, it's not mastering his kingdom. It's deciding for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Can I say that the reason Jesus is called the treasure in the field? Because how awesome and wonderful that the king, that the king helps us. He's not sitting there on a the throne like worldly kings, demanding to be served. But he's got his towel and water basin, and he's serving us. He's enabling us. Everything we need to fulfill that kingdom, he's making sure that we can do it. And he's doing it through us. Can you say amen? amen. All right, I'd like to have you stop and close your Bibles up and stand with me. I want us to act upon this word this morning. And <clears throat> I know that I'm probably talking in the sanctuary this morning. In fact, I know that I am because I know everybody. To a, a room, a sanctuary full of people who have bought the field. However, one of the things you're going to see in the weeks to come is that the Bible says through much tribulation we must enter the kingdom. The decision to sell all and buy the field is contested every day of your life. There's an enemy out there. We live in a period of time of overlapping kingdoms. The kingdom of light is here and the kingdom of darkness is here. We're living in this joint situation. And so we are in a battle. And so every day we make the decision to declare the lordship of Jesus. Where do you go for strength? Where do you go to be built back up when the world's knocked you down? What happens when you turn the TV on and you're overwhelmed? Or you turn the radio on and you think, God, the world's going crazy. This is nuts. And I don't know how to act. Where do you go? You go to the kingdom. You go to Jesus the King. Everything we need to solve every one of these problems, all of these conundrums, all of these dead ends, all of these fights, all these fires, would be instantly resolved in the kingdom of God. So, child of God, our prayer today is, Lord, I'm keeping my feet firmly planted in the kingdom. Kingdom thinking, kingdom speaking, kingdom behaving. And the king loves me and is in here to make sure that that commitment works in my life. Is that good? Let's pray.